Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Good morning. It's nice to see you all. Happy New Year and all that. Um, those who, who don't know me um, won't uh, know that, uh, uh, and some of you may not even know this, but, but I quite enjoy my food. I love shopping for it. I'll, oh, thank you. That's great. Have you got some room there? We'll fit it somewhere. There you go, there's a spot. Just pop the crisps there, thanks. Uh, I love shopping for it. Um, I, I love growing it. I, I love cooking it. And uh, especially, I love eating it. Oh, food's brilliant, isn't it? Just think steak and chips with onion rings and pepper sauce. Fried mushrooms. Ooh, somebody's going to on the balcony there. Um, uh, what about a nice curry with some pulao rice and peshwari naan? Rhubarb crumble with custard and cream and ice cream. You've got to go all three, haven't you? Um, or what about to top it? One of Janet Collier's coffee cupcakes. Mwah. I love my food. Uh, I really do. Uh, but have you ever thought about how often eating pops up in the Bible? Um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's all over the show when you think about it. Uh, it's almost uh, every time there's a big moment that comes in the Bible, there, there's food involved. In Luke's book in the New Testament, uh, there's uh, so much food that one chap writes, I'm, I'm spitting popcorn here. <laughs> Let me just get rid of that bit. One chap writes, uh, Jesus always seems to be either going to a meal, uh, at a meal, or, or coming from a meal. And if you think about it, he's right. Eating with tax collectors and sinners. We're going to be looking at that later on. Feeding the 5,000. Blessing and condemning people at meals. Jesus does it all the time. There's a Last Supper. There's the fish breakfast after the resurrection. There's the huge final banquet that Jesus invites people to. We're told in the Bible that Jesus comes to do all sorts of things. But there's a little verse in Luke chapter 7 uh, which says this. Luke chapter 7 verse 34. Simply, the Son of Man... That's Jesus, came eating and drinking. Jesus came eating and drinking. I want to think a little bit about that uh, this morning. Um, I've been challenged recently after reading a book by Tim Chester um, just to think through what our food is all about. You'll probably have to find it on the bookstore if you want to have a look at it afterwards. Um, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. You know, these words would have been quite a shock if you were a Jew and you heard them in Jesus' day, because they were looking for uh, God to send an all-powerful conquering king who would sort out God's world. Uh, They were hoping that you'd say, the Son of Man will come in clouds with the angel armies and hordes. The Son of Man will come to justify his people and defeat his enemies. But the Son of Man will come eating and drinking. What's that about? It's not quite what they were expecting. I wonder if I'm a little bit like that sometimes. Uh, I expect things to happen in a certain way. Uh, As a youth worker in a big church like ours, it's very easy for me to think that the good news is best taught by well-advertised programs and events. Uh, Young people like that sort of thing. They they love big events. They love bands. They love good media, nice video, good PowerPoints and such like. Uh, There'll be an equivalent for your age group. It might be Scrabble or or tea, Tea Mornings and things. Um, we can read books on mission and discipleship and evangelism until we've got strategies and diagrams coming out of our ears. And there's often talk, isn't there, of the next big national event 
or citywide project that's really going to grow the church. I don't want to knock any of those things. They're all brilliant. But I wonder, if the Son of Man came eating and drinking, uh, maybe a chat over a hot chocolate with whipped cream and marshmallows with your Bible open could grow the kingdom a lot more than I think. Maybe a quiet Sunday lunch with the neighbours should come much higher up our evangelistic strategy list uh, than we think. And here's a question for you. Is the catering team here at Christchurch Forward more in step with Jesus' message than we think? Jesus eats so much in the Gospels that he gets called a greedy man, a glutton, and a drunkard. Why so many meals? Why so many meals? Well, I think it's because the meals that Jesus had show us so much of what God is like. It tells us about his good news and about what Jesus is like. You know, we tell each other, don't we? You've got to come to church. Uh, You've got to do your quiet times and your uh, uh, prayer meetings. Make sure you're at those. Do your Bible study. Go to small group. Um, Come along to see you, whatever. We send people to college for three years to study theology. We find ourselves with bookshelves filled with Christian books. And we study scripture uh, long and hard in quiet rooms. All again, which are absolutely brilliant. But we mustn't miss the simple, non-complicated ways that Jesus chose to teach us about his kingdom. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now, um, just have a think about that. Just have a little bit of this. Wash my popcorn down. Hmm. That's great. Um, You don't have to be really brainy or to have lots of letters after your name to to eat and drink. Uh, You don't have to be old and have lots of experience to eat and drink. Uh, You don't have to be trained to eat and drink. We do it naturally. Anyone can do it, even you, even me. But the way in which we do it and who we do it with is very important, as we'll find out a little bit later on. Um, I wonder if you've ever been to a party where you feel a little bit uncomfortable amongst the people who are there. Maybe uh, there's someone there who's just not quite like you, or uh, there's someone there who you've fallen out with, or there's an element at this party who are a little bit dodgy one way or another. I was best man for our neighbour, Um, uh, They moved uh, to our uh, area from the other side of Sheffield and moved into his mother's house, actually. Um, And they were from a more working class um, uh, environment, you might say, over the other side of Sheffield. Um, I I was his best man and they they were a lovely couple, um, but his stag do was quite interesting. Uh, firstly, I was, uh, taken, it was taken out of my hands by the groom's brother in, brothers-in-law, who were, in the end, the only other people who came to the stag do. Um, they uh, had a plan to go and do the pizza, eat as much pizza as you can at Pizza Hut sort of thing, um, which we did, um, including a few pints. And um, I, I can't believe how much pizza they managed to put away. And then uh, the, we headed over to a bar where it was uh, five pounds to drink all you can before eight o'clock. We well, can imagine how the evening went on. Uh, we got involved with, in, in the, I say we, they got involved <laughs> in downing as many pints as they could, telling inappropriate jokes and whistling uh, at women who went by. I did wonder at points um, what people who knew me would think if they saw me. I, I wondered if the PCC would ask for my resignation if they knew my whereabouts. 
I wonder, have you ever thought to yourself, I'm, I'm mixing with the wrong types here. Some people once felt Jesus got himself into a similar fix. And Finn is going to come and read for us now um, so we can find out about that. Thank you, Finn. The Bible reading this morning comes from Luke's Gospel. It can be found on page 1033 of the Church Bibles, Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up left everything and followed him. The Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Very much, Finn. Well read. Here's one of those huge numbers of meals uh, that you can find in Luke's Gospel. Remember, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus came eating and drinking. In the Gospels, it's very hard to separate uh, Jesus' eating from his serving other people and from his rescue mission. The three often come hand in hand. So what does this particular meal teach us? How can we model the same things in our lives and the meals that we have? As the Pharisees look in on what's going on, I think they came to a similar conclusion as I did at my stag do. Jesus is mixing with the wrong types. Just have a, have a look at the guest list. It's there in verse 29. There are tax collectors. We'll look at them one on one. Here's a tax collector. Yeah. Uh, come and have a seat. There you go. Uh, now, um, interesting, you should have that reaction. Do you want to sit around the corner there? So, okay. Not that I want to be too far away from you. Just fit people in later. Um, uh, these were the, the bad guys. Um, they uh, were the traitors who were cheating... Help yourself. Um, they, they were cheating themselves, their, their, their own people out of money, taking um, more than they needed to as tax collectors and sort of lining their own pockets with it a little bit. And, well, and the people they were cheating were God's people. So this is one of God's enemies. The lowest of the low. Uh, <laughs> If, if it was a panto, you'd do exactly as you did when he came in. Let's Booze. Don't, don't, don't awe him. <laughs> He's got me in spies. Uh, but then there's the others as well. That's what Jesus calls them. But if you look down at verse, 20, uh, verse 30, the Pharisees refer to these others as sinners. Sinners. Now, we're not told what sins uh, they've committed, but it seems that everybody knew they were sinners. So the likelihood is that they were um, uh, maybe the sort of dodgy types, uh, thieves, uh, folks with asbos, a bit, bit like this, this thing. Hiya, nice to see you. Have a seat. There you go. <laughs> bit of a state, really, that one. Um, uh, or, um, or maybe they were um, even, even prostitutes, uh, people who were sort of loose women in, in the town. <laughs> 
Nice to see you. Have a seat. Have a seat. I wonder what the parents are playing at. Um, or maybe uh, they were down and outs. Yeah, help, help yourself to some food. Um, the sort of folk who'd been living on the street, scruffy, <laughs> hello, come on, have a seat, there you go. Scruffy, dirty, mi- missing teeth, that sort of thing. And uh, uh, these were the people. You know, just thinking about it, the Pharisees have got a point, haven't they? Help yourself. <laughs> if, if, as of Jesus claims, he is the, the Son of God, then what is going on here? God's, God's holy. He's, he's set apart a people for himself. And why would God, in a body, Jesus, want to mix with such an unholy crowd? But he does. Uh, and it seems to go against all that God has said previously in the Old Testament to his people. He's always said, don't mix with the wrong types. But that, that's exactly what Jesus is doing now. Mixing with the wrong types. I'll, I'll be back in a moment or two. It's a a bit of a theme in Luke 5, actually, if you look down at your Bible. Um, You'll see in verse uh, 12 and 15 to 15, you get a leper, the wrong type, unclean, to be steered well clear from, it would say, in Leviticus. But Jesus comes and touches him. And instead of Jesus becoming unclean, the leper becomes clean. In in verses uh, 17 to 26, uh, there's a paralytic. Uh, And Jesus heals him in order to prove horror of horrors that he can forgive sin with a word. There's no elaborate temple procedure that he's got to go through. No sacrifice going on here like uh, we'd have been told in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Uh, And then in verses 33 to 34, Jesus' disciples don't fast. Something the Jews did uh, to call on God's mercy to free them. It's just all wrong. Jesus is mixing with the wrong types. Unless... Unless God is doing something new. Something so new that it doesn't fit with any of the old categories. Maybe God is doing something so kind and so gracious that it completely takes us by surprise. Could God, could God really be wanting his son and his people to mix with the wrong types? In Luke 5, verse 31 to 32, I think Jesus makes the point very clearly. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Simply put, yes, God is here on the earth, especially to mix with the wrong types. They're the ones who know that they need him. The other people, well, they just think they're okay. In fact, they think they're so okay and so important that they think they're better than everybody else. The Pharisees, the people who were moaning to Jesus about mixing with the wrong types, they had all sorts of complicated laws and rules which they put in place, which meant that they couldn't eat with people like tax collectors and sinners. The pots had to be washed properly. The meat had to be kosher. The people had to be ceremonially washed as well before they could even think about eating together. I wonder what things we put in place to stop ourselves showing this sort of kindness and this sort of grace that Jesus does. What do we put in place that stops us eating with certain people? Is it respectability? That might be one of our rules, if you like. Take my neighbour's stag do, for instance. What was, what was I thinking, wondering about what the PCC might think? 
Why was I so bothered about who these people were rather than caring for them? Um, Why didn't I see this as a fantastic opportunity to tell them uh, about Jesus? Just have have a little look inside your own heart. Are there some people, either at school or in the world or in your job, that you just would not be seen dead with? Are there some groups that you might think, they just just don't get it. I'm going to steer well clear from them. Maybe it's teenagers. Maybe it's academic types who've got their heads in the clouds. Maybe it's football fans. Do they annoy you? Maybe it's just posh, snooty, S10 type people. And maybe it's down and outs. Maybe it's Church of England bishops. It could be anybody. Who do you look down your nose at? Who would you never invite round for tea because it would mean that you'd lose your respectability? Respectability. Here's another rule that we might have. Looking cool. Um, it's nice to have friends around, isn't it? I love having my friends around. But just think for a moment, who it is who comes round your, to your house for tea? Who it is you invite round for a meal or a sleepover or a party? Well, I ask the people who are like me. I ask the, the in crowd. I ask the trendy people, the people who it's been good to be seen with. And let's not forget that trendy can change, you know, depending on who your peer group is. For some people, it might be the, the tattoos and the piercings. For other people, it might be the pinstripes and the iPads. We eat with people we like to be seen with. But what if? What if the soup wagon turned up en masse on Sunday morning? You know, the, the folk who are sleeping rough in town, who've got drugs problems and things. They all came. Um, Bobby brought them along. Um, and uh, I wonder how many of us would invite them back for a Sunday roast. Uh, I wonder how happy we'd be mixing with some of the folk who might turn up at Gleedless over in Holy Cross. Uh, or, or maybe there are some folk, just turning it on its head a little bit, who you think are just a little bit too nice and churchy for you. You'd never have them round for tea. Respectability, looking cool. Uh, you could add to that um, making sure your house stays tidy. Um, you could add to it steering clear of your enemies. You could add to it not missing out on some regular activity that you always do. You could add to that um, people who are just not like you. All these things can come in the way of us actually eating with the people that we should be eating with. People who need to hear about Jesus. People who need discipling and who need care. Someone um, told me the other day that uh, you, uh, you can judge people... I think it was Paul, actually, uh, who, uh, within a minute, there's your hat, mate. Um, you can judge people within a minute of, uh, within a second, actually, of, of, of meeting them. And it, it's frightening and sad how quick we can categorise people, isn't it? Um, we, we box them. Um, we belittle them. Uh, just think how often you think you're too good for somebody else. Um, uh, you write people off. Uh, take um, the folk at my dinner table, for instance. The dodgy tax collector, the really dodgy little thief type person here. Uh, And think about it seriously, because it's important that we realise that these things can be really hard habits for us to break. Um, Just as it was for the Pharisees, we've all sorts of stuff ingrained into our character and our culture. It's like the letters running through a stick of rock. Uh, There are loads of things that stop us eating with the people that we could be eating with. Stop sharing things with them. We're going to be eating a meal again in a moment. Um, Another meal that Jesus was at, we're going to have communion. Um, And that's what communion is. It's just a meal with Jesus. But it's a very, very special meal. Don't ever forget that no one deserves to be at this meal. It's God's table. 
that we're talking about here. And only people who are totally and utterly perfect can be at God's table. If you've messed up, you shouldn't really be here, were it not for Jesus. And that's the great bit, isn't it? He has sorted your ticket to this meal. Um, he's paid off the bouncers, the, the boys on the door, and uh, he's, they should have beat you up when you were coming in and, and thrown you out, but he's, he's sorted it, and it's cost him his life. But more importantly today, as we've been learning, as we've looked through this meal that Jesus was at, this is a meal where everyone who's learning to trust Jesus is welcome. The um, seemingly grumpy old Christian who moans about the drums being too loud. Do they bug you? They'll be here. Uh, The scruffy teenager from Sunday AM who uh, grunts when you say hello to them, uh, and who uh, listens through the sermon with their their hat on or their hood up. Do you despair of the youth today? They'll be here. Um, The party-goer who knows, along with everybody else, that this week they have messed up and messed up big time. Have you heard the rumours? They'll be here. Uh, The child who has been downright naughty this week. I'm looking at a few people. Um, uh, They're beginning to see their error of their ways, but they've been so frustrating. Well, they'll be here. And what about the parent who, who loves you and has good intentions, but they really get on your nerves? You know who I mean? Well, they'll be here. They'll even be the old tax collector here as well. You should never, and I think this is what we've been learning this morning, sit down at this table saying, what on earth are they doing here? This table is a place where we say, isn't it amazing that any of us are here? Jesus is still eating with tax collectors and sinners. And you're one of them. And you're one of them. And you're one of them. And I'm one of them. How good is that? Look, well, if it is that good, why not model it in the meals that you have too? Um, just, uh, just think for a moment of uh, the dramas that have gone on around your dinner table. There have been plenty of them, I'm sure. Just think of the love that's been shared with family and friends over food. It'd be great to share that with other people as well, wouldn't it? Uh, the times when you've talked about uh, how the Bible comes to bear on life. And the things that are happening in each other's lives. The important decisions you've made over meals. The prayers that you've had. The questions that your children have asked as you've had a long leisurely tea. The friends who've really appreciated the chats and the company. And as you remember those things, um, well just think, next time that you'd rather watch the telly with a tray on your knee... Uh, next time you're tempted to rush off to the next meeting or, or party or event... Next time you just selfishly want just a little bit of peace tonight as you eat. Think again. Meals are very, very valuable times. Times where we can teach and learn about Jesus. Not only in the speech that we have, but the meals that we have as well. Uh, And it won't always be easy, this. Um, It won't always be easy at all. uh, Because... Being different, living this new way, this gracious way, kindly accepting and eating with all comers, well, it can be really quite subversive and scandalous sometimes. These people aren't the sorts you should be mixing with. Our Bible reading ends, or it reaches ahead when we get to chapter 6 and verse 11. I've put it on the screen so you don't need to look it up. It says this, the Pharisees who've been watching all this go on have said, but they were furious. And they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. 
The same commentator we talked about earlier says this. In Luke's gospel, Jesus got himself killed because of the way he ate. Living grace-filled lives, eating tea with the big issue seller, inviting the strange parishioner around, uh, the person who you know has got a problem, uh, inviting them around for a snack, attempting to make peace with an adversary by popping in for a biscuit uh, and a cup of tea, well, they can come at great cost. It could be really, really hard. But it will mean that we are living more and more like our Lord. And I think that can only be a good thing. Let's pray, shall we? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us to, to eat with you, even though we don't deserve it. Help us to do the same for others. And help us uh, to, uh, uh, to introduce you as we do it. Help uh, them and us to know you better as our friend and king. Amen.